Wow. Hello, my dudes. Did you ever, ever, ever think that you would be hearing this old voice again in podcast form? Probably not. Wow. It's been way too long. It's been, I think, three months since my last episode. And before that, it was another three months, which is absolutely tragic. It's like I'm paying for my podcast hosting website for no reason. We're going to start off the podcast today um, with quite a lot of stuff. I'll give you a basic outline just so you know what to expect. First, I'm going to talk about um, school, life update, how's YouTube, another update, Uh, Then later in the podcast, I'll get into some recommendations. You gotta. I mean, it's been a long time. Haven't been able to tell you what I've been watching on Netflix, what movies I've been watching, and that's very important. I know. And then, of course, (laughs) at the end of the politics, at the end of the podcast, we will discuss politics. Of course, there's been so many updates. I do get a lot of people frequently asking me uh, what's going on or what I think, and I just, I can't keep up with, you know, given my commentary. First thing I want to address, though, is something that frustrates me every time I come back to try to record the podcast. Listen to the sound of my computer right now. Can you hear her? Maybe you can't. Um, Sometimes I'll get comments from people who, um, like, you know, my usual internet analysis filming spot in front of my bed. They'll be like, Um, this is a cute background, but I feel like it doesn't really fit the vibe. Like, maybe you should film in a more, like, professional setting. And I just want to remind people, like, I'm just a girl who lives in an apartment. Like, I know you're used to YouTubers having, like, full studios and stuff, like a separate office to film in. But, like, your girl lives in a one-bedroom with her boyfriend. I don't have another space to do this. So it's like, (laughs) why do you film in front of your bed? It's like... This is the spot that I have. And even with that, I mean, I have to work with the lighting. Got to try to make it decent. I just think people forget that, like, yeah, not all YouTubers have uh, ideal setups. I mean, I would love to. I mean, if next year I could move into a two-bedroom and have an office and a dedicated little podcast corner and a dedicated filming area, my dreams would be made, you know? Another thing related to that, I was just rereading comments on the last podcast, because I don't even remember what I've been talking about, and I got one, uh, somebody commented on an old episode, like my second episode, um, and they were like, the audio's really bad in this, is it gonna be this bad in all the episodes? And I was like, hmm, and I went back and listened, and it did sound worse. I don't know what I've done since, but I mean, I had the same mic. I think I was just sitting a little bit further back. But, of course, um, (laughs) again, I don't have, like, an ideal little podcast studio. I'm in this room that's very echoey. But, again, nowhere else in my apartment would be less echoey. And I just, there's not, there's only so much I can do. Aside from that, airplanes. We always have airplanes flying over. It is the bane of my existence. Every time I'm trying to film a main channel video, I have to, like, stop and pause for... 30 seconds at a time. I thought one was coming right now. Nope, we're fine. So anyway, if you hear noises, uh, just remember I'm just a girl who has this little setup and it's not perfect. I'm sorry. But anyway, I'm really excited to be back. Um, It's Sunday. I woke up today and uh, Nathan was going to a football game and I was like, what the hell am I supposed to do? alone. Um, And then I realized I could talk to myself and talk to the people. And um, I should be studying for midterms 
definitely. Uh, but instead, I'm using my spare hours to do this. So I'm really excited. So let's just jump right in. I have taken some notes on my phone instead of my little notepad as I usually would. Um, <laughs> but I just, I had to write it down because I didn't know what to, to tell you guys. First thing, how is school? Great question. Thank you for asking. Burps. I love readjusting to the podcast and remembering like all the little quirks about it, you know, but that's fine. How is school? Well, I guess it's fine. That's such a like, <laughs> I always feel bad when people like ask me how things are going. How are you supposed to respond? Great. And just leave it at that. I'm not good at that level of enthusiasm. So I'm just like, yeah, it's, it's going like my, one of my professors spoke to me directly for the first time the other day. And she was like, Hey, how's your semester going? And I was like, good, you know, like midterms coming up, busy, you know? And she's like, yeah. And I was like, how are you? And she was like, same. And that was it. <laughs> but um, yeah, I'm taking 15 credits this semester. And I'm sure I've updated you guys before, but I'll just give a little recap. My plan is um, if I take See, listen, that's an airplane. I don't know if you guys can hear it, but it, it's magnified on my microphone. Uh, if I take 15 credits in the spring, I will officially be a senior by the spring, I believe. So that's really exciting. And then I think I'm going to take six credits next summer and then 15 more credits next fall. And then I, I should be graduating. So I'm on track to graduate December 2020. That is what I'm keeping my eye on. <laughs> and um, the closer we get to this December the more excited I get because I'm like, oh God, it feels like it's never going to be done. But then I'm like, oh my God, only one more year. That's actually not that bad. So with my actual classes, I have been enjoying them. Um, this is actually my first full semester uh, since I restarted and transferred to this school. So last spring, I was only able to take one class uh, because I wasn't sure if my residency was going to be approved, even though I am and was a New York resident. So I didn't want to risk like <laughs> a full semester of out-of-state tuition. So I was like, okay, I'm just going to take my like one intro class so that I can start my major, but whatever. So I took one class and then I took two summer classes. They went well, knocking out more of those gen ed requirements. And so yeah, this semester I finally got to take a few actual media classes toward my major. And it is good, uh, very calming to to reaffirm that I do indeed enjoy this major. <laughs> it would have been kind of fucked up if I started to take my media classes and then I'm like, this sucks. But yes, in case you didn't know, I am now a media studies major and um, I think I'm going to have a film minor. I was laughing because the other day I got a DM on Instagram from someone who was like, hey, can you tell me about your major? Like what made you decide to choose it? What kind of job can you use it for? And I was like, good question. But really my process between choosing to be a media studies major was like, um, well, I was a film production major at my last university. And I just realized like, I don't want to work in film or TV production. That's just not what I want to do. Um, and I just thought that maybe a more broad degree would be better for me. So I was looking into like communication and media. And then I found this actual media studies program. And I liked it because it kind of, uh, involves, you know, documentary and a little bit of like journalism and you can kind of you know personalize it as people do with their degrees to 
fit whatever angle of that study that you like. So it works for me, but, um, it was funny. I was, I was like, well, what, what jobs can you get with this? Here's the thing. I'm a full-time YouTuber right now. I've only been a full-time YouTuber since this January, so it's all still very new to me, but I'm hoping, fingers crossed, that uh, not only will YouTube continue to be my full-time job, but I'm hoping that it improves. Maybe I'll be making more cash money in the future, but I do always know that it's not the most reliable job, (laughs) and that is an understatement. Um, So it is a little crazy to think like, if I needed to get a regular job and start like a formal career, what the hell would I do? And I don't want to think about that right now, frankly, because it will overwhelm me. Um, but I do, I do believe that I, in my YouTube career and all of this, I am gaining skills that would be useful elsewhere. But also, um, I don't know, I think my media studies degree would be helpful in some kind of job related to media. So yeah, not a very good answer. But anyway, while I was Googling this to help answer this DM. I looked up like jobs that you can get with a media studies degree just to refresh myself so I could pass on this information. And I found this like forum where somebody was like, should I do a media studies degree? I'm interested in this and that. And um, I'm just distracted because now my, my shirt looks really full at the bottom and then I've got these cute pants on. You might not even be able to see it. I'm distracted. I'm also wearing my Bernie Field of Dreams 2020 shirt baseball tea. (laughs) Anyway, I googled this and in the forum they were like, should I get a media studies degree? And people were like, no, it's worthless, it's useless, that's a joke, blah blah blah, don't waste your money. And I was like, nice. And they called it a Mickey Mouse degree. And that was the first time I had heard such a term. I was like, what does this mean? And I guess it just refers to any degrees that people think are useless, (laughs) which pretty much includes like all liberal art degrees, all humanities degrees. Like people will say that studying history is a useless degree or like psychology, sociology. And it's just so offensive, first of all. Um, I get really heated when I think about college majors and people judging them. Um, Let's let's get a little spiel into that. So I I like to watch a lot of videos about student debt, and often people are like, oh, I took out $100,000 in loans for my theater degree or my English degree, and then in the comments, a bunch of fucking dudes are like, oh, you're such a fucking idiot. Who would think that that would be worth it? It's your fault. And like, on one hand, I do agree that people need to be very, very careful about the debt that they agree to take out. Um, I think that we have we've made it so normal to like accept a lot of debt that at the time, especially when you're 18, when you're a freshman, you think that that's okay. And you just want to sign anything that will allow you to go to the school and start your process and you'll figure it out later. I think that's what people think. Um, or they think, okay, I'll, I'll do that. And then I'll go to grad school and then it'll be worth it. Um, And I do agree that that is a major financial gamble, and I don't think that anyone should be taking out that amount of debt, um, especially for something that's not like, you know, a lawyer or a doctor. But that being said, people say that these are worthless degrees and that you shouldn't even go to college unless you're studying something like a STEM major or um, like being a lawyer or something. And I do not agree with that because... I believe in the inherent value of education and like as as inconvenient kind of right now as college is, I still enjoy it. I really do enjoy it and I am so glad to be 
learning about all these different subjects and even the gen ed classes that I'm kind of annoyed that I have to take, it's still good because like my, my gap year before this, I felt so like isolated because like I don't get out much. So I feel like school helps you like literally widen your horizons. You're forced to learn about things that you may not consider. You get to take classes on diverse issues. Um, and it just fucking makes you learn more about the world, okay? And I think that is valuable. Um, so I believe, first of all, obviously, I believe in um, Bernie, affordable or slash free college for all. I think everyone has the right to educate themselves. And even if you want to get a degree in something that isn't financially like lucrative. I'm just burping a lot, sorry. <laughs> Even if you want a degree in something that's not financially lucrative, that does not mean that it is not valuable, either only to you or to society in general. So yeah, I'm really fucking pissed when people imply that all of those other degrees are fucking worthless, because that is just so not true. I think, um, you know, a lot of you are international listeners and you don't live in a country like the US that has such insanely expensive uh, college. So you could probably relate to this a lot more, but like, um, I just think that cost shouldn't be a, fat, a factor in whether you're considering like what to study. I think if you're passionate about something, you should be able to study that. And yes, it is your uh, responsibility, I guess, to be able to find a job afterwards. But like, I just believe that people should be able to study what they want to study. And I think that ultimately is good for society. Obviously, um, the world would not be a better place if <laughs> the only people who ever went to college only studied STEM majors or law. And we would just lose all of the knowledge and interest in every other field. It's like, come on. So anyway, it's like, obviously, am I, am I doing this media studies degree thinking I'm going to get a job that's going to pay me six figures or something? Like, no, I don't know. Nothing is guaranteed in any field, but um, I don't think it's all about the money. I don't think we should make our college education choices about what is going to make us the most money. And I also think that people should be paid a living wage in other jobs. Um, but anyway, that's a whole other issue. <laughs> So anyway, there's my little rant. Yeah, so school's going well. Um, I had some little pet peeves to share with you guys. Because just being back on like a, a campus setting, like this is my only interaction with people other than like my boyfriend or the uh, Starbucks baristas. So <laughs> it's good. I think it's really good for me to get out of the house and have to go to school, get on the subway. But I get so annoyed with people and that's such a classic like annoying thing it's kind of annoying when people are like I hate everyone and I don't want to sound like that but your girl gets grouchy and if I'm hungry and I'm rushing home and I don't want to hit a busy subway train that's gonna be all squished anyway <laughs> um when I'm walking to school from the subway I am speed walking that is the only time in my life that I am fast everywhere else slow as can be but like when I'm trying to get to class and get out of the damn way of everybody I am rushing so I'm that person who's like speed walking and like weaving around whatever one thing that I tweeted about recently is when someone abruptly stops walking in the middle of a sidewalk, especially in New York, especially in Manhattan, where I go to school. Are you fucking insane? Like, 
there are there's a whole flowing like group of people walking with and around you and you just stop in your tracks you fucking crazy ass it blows my mind i <laughs> i was like rushing to get through a um a walk signal crosswalk and i was walking and walking and walking and the guy in front of me just stopped because he wasn't gonna go for it and i slammed into him and i was like oh my god i'm sorry but like dude come on like you should have gone for it i was going for it we have to be on the same page um but yeah, just in the sidewalk, like it blows my mind. Like somebody will just stop and like answer their phone. And I'm like, hello, it takes no work for you to slow down and like pull over to the side of the sidewalk. Clearly don't stand in the middle of a busy sidewalk, obviously. <sighs> this, is, this is the same for like people who, like I'll see like kids, like school kids, like high schoolers. Um, they'll just be like chilling with their friends, you know, like in a circle on the sidewalk. I'm like, oh, that's sweet, but get the fuck out of the way, please. You know, like I wouldn't ever be mean to anyone or say anything because I'm way too passive for that. But like, I'm like, oh, it's nice that you're having fun with your friends, but like move, at least move off to like a slow street, like not this main sidewalk where people are like rushing, like, come on. So anyway, I have very strong, strong opinions about that. I always have. I actually made a video when I was like a freshman in high school. I made a whole little rant video on YouTube because back then I used to make like two to four minute videos that were just me ranting, which is so cute, right? Still here doing it just in a, an hour long podcast form. So anyway, I made a video that was about going through the right side of a door. So like if you have a double doorway, you're supposed to go through the right door. So then the other traffic goes through the other right door and therefore you only have one flow of traffic in each direction. Does that make sense? Um, it blew my mind when people would go through the wrong door and throw off all the traffic. <sighs> but that's still on, that, that still happens at my school. Uh, we have these like heavy doors um, that go into the stairwells and like one of the doors, they're both heavy as shit, but one of the doors has a handle and the other doesn't, so it like makes it impossible to pull it open because there's no fucking handle. So you'll get, you know, during busy times, trying to get two people flowing through one side of the doorway when there's another door, but it's just like there's too many people going, so you can't even open it at that point. Yeah, real cute, <laughs> real fun topic. Uh, but yeah, I get really hooted about these things. And my last thing that I also tweeted about recently <laughs> is... Um, I don't know if I, I don't know if it's just times changing, but um, I just feel like people use laptops in class way more than they did when I was in school a couple years ago. I don't know. It probably is changing. But to me, screens distract me. Like if someone is on their phone next to me, that's distracting, like in my peripheral vision, because it, it signals to my brain, ooh, phone, you could grab your phone and do something. And that's just my, it, it frustrates me when I'm trying to not use my phone. So kind of the same thing happens when somebody is next to me using their computer, especially when their screen is really bright. This happened to me in a lecture the other day. And I like had to literally like block <laughs> my peripheral vision on that side. It was just so like, distracting and, and bright to me but like in these big lecture halls I'll just see like a sea of laptops and people are on I saw a girl on Facebook watching those like food like satisfying food videos and I'm like this girl's really gonna sit and watch this video like all these videos for this full hour of class okay sure um, and then you see people playing like literal games on their computers or like just doing any possible thing. And obviously people have always done this. Um, but it's just like, it's, it's actually distracting 
to just be trying to like look past people and pay attention to the lecturer when instead you see all these different screens. It's like, it blows my mind. But anyway, also, I never bring my laptops to school. I don't use it for notes because I prefer writing on paper by hand. Um, and that's just a preference. But I also like, if I were to try to take my notes on a laptop while I have Wi-Fi and the ability to go online, I would never do my fucking notes. Like if I were in a big lecture hall with my laptop, I would be on Facebook looking at stupid food videos too, even though I deactivated my Facebook. Still haven't deleted it. Need to do that. Um, (laughs) But yeah, it's just, I get so frustrated. And the very last thing is when people talk in lectures, I'm always like, if everyone was like me, everything would be fine. But that's just because I have zero friends on campus and I don't speak to anyone. So yeah, the lecture hall would be silent because everyone would be like me just sitting there quietly and not talking to anyone because I don't have anyone to talk to. But I like to think even if I did have a friend in a lecture, I would not have the audacity to sit and have a full ass conversation in a lecture hall where you know that it echoes and the professor has literally said multiple times, When you at the top are talking, it comes down here so loudly and I can hear it. It's just so disrespectful to me. And it's like, again, it's very distracting to like, to sit and hear people like whispering and giggling and like talking right behind you. Like, I'm trying to pay attention. I'm trying to get this education and you're making it difficult for me. (laughs) So there's my really fun little uh, complaint about class so far. But otherwise, I mean, it's good. It's, It's the usual, what can I say? It's just about midterms right now, so I should be studying again, but I'm excited for this week, this upcoming week, to go by, and hopefully I will do well on my midterms, touch wood, and then we'll just continue, and then we'll be done for the semester soon enough. It'll happen quickly, so I'm excited for that. Let's take a little break, and then we'll get back and talk about more things. Stay tuned. Thanks. See you in in literally a few seconds. Bye. And we're back. Continuing on, let's chat about how YouTube is going, because that's work for me. So yeah, um, literally all I've been up to is the usual school, YouTube, trying to stay on top of my shit, but always being a little bit behind and then rushing and then being like, why do I do this to myself? Why don't I just plan ahead? But no, it never happens. So um, yeah, YouTube is going well. I have had some really good months. I've been making that coin. And when things are good, they are very good. And it's very exciting. So recently, I've had a couple of months that are just like really good momentum, like where my videos are hitting like like 200,000 views in a couple days. And it's I've, I've almost gotten used to it to where I'm like, Oh, cool. Oh, yeah, my video hit 100,000 views in 24 hours. Oh, cool. And I'm just like, (laughs) I have to remind myself constantly how crazy that is and how much I should appreciate it. Because like, you know, just a couple months ago, my average views were like 50,000 within like a month or something. And that was really exciting to me. And before that, it was like 10,000 views. And so I'm just trying to keep my perspective. And it's kind of hard, though, because you start comparing yourself to like your recent best, and you always want your videos to do better and better. But it's like, I need to just be realistic and be appreciative of when things are going well. But yeah, um, I had a couple of really good months, a couple of very good videos. And I was like, Oh, my God, this is great. Let's keep it up. And then I decided to make my video about corporate 
YouTube and celebrity YouTube. And I swear to God, <laughs> that video scared me to make because um, I was like, YouTube's gonna like blacklist me over this or they're gonna demonetize this. And like my videos don't get demonetized. Like I haven't really had an issue with that, even though I would say I talk about seemingly controversial things occasionally. Um, but I think I am good about somehow avoiding being demonetized until now. So I made that video about corporate YouTube and um, it didn't get demonetized, which was great. I was like, oh, okay, we're fine. It didn't get as many views as the few videos before that. Um, I think it's just barely gotten over 100,000 views maybe. No, let's check. I think it's more than that. Um, but it definitely was slower. Like YouTube on your dashboard will tell you like, it'll rate like out of your last 10 videos, if it's like how it's ranking, if that makes sense. So like, oh, your videos, like compared to how many views you tend to get in the first 48 hours, it's ranking at this. So that's always interesting. But um, okay, so wait, the celebrity and corporate content video got, it's now at 170,000 views, which is good. Um, so then after that video, um, I made my video about the importance of deleting old posts. And I didn't think that one would be a controversial one, um, but I did talk about, mm, I, can't, I can't do that on the podcast. In my last video, I just like mumbled and put text on the screen. Not all of you were watching the video version. But anyway, I talked about uh, when people happen to paint their face to look like another race. Uh, and that segment definitely was, I guess, controversial in YouTube's eyes. Um, and so the video got demonetized. YouTube doesn't tell you why videos are demonetized, but, um, that really sucked. Uh, so I lost all the revenue that I should have gotten for that video. And then also when videos are, de are demonetized, they're not pushed in the search as much. So you're not going to get as many views from people who are not subscribed. So overall that definitely knocked that video down in terms of views. And it just probably a few days ago hit a hundred thousand views. Um, but yeah, that video got demonetized and I was like, oh no, I was like, okay, is it because of that segment where I talked about the controversial topic or, um, is it that YouTube actually did blacklist me after that corporate video and now they're just going to like ruin my career? Who knows? <laughs> I'm, I'm actually like in this moment and in the past few weeks, I have been actually concerned about this. Um, but we'll see. I mean, hope we can recover. So then my last video was about sustainability and intersectionality, environmental activism. And even just in filming that video, I knew that it was kind of, it's not like, oh, I'm not like other girls or visco girls. Like it's not that of a general topic. It's not that trendy of a topic. And then it has those kind of terms that not everybody knows or is familiar with like intersectionality. I got a couple of comments within posting the video that were like, I don't know what this title means. Too many big words. And I was like, damn it. I know the videos like, or the titles not, not appealing in the sense that you want a title to be, you know, you want a title to grab the attention of people who, you know, can understand what it means. Anyway, I hope that makes sense. But this video, I, I w was in partnership with ThreadUp, which I was really excited about because I do like them. And it's so rare to get sponsors that are actually like sustainable. Like I still get emails from like fast fashion, like Chinese wholesalers. I will never do a fucking Zaffle haul or Rom Wee haul or whatever. Um, but yeah, I mean, even just other, other things like 
so often sponsorship offers just are not like relatable or applicable to my videos. So there's no way I could like fit it into a video. But that I was like, I have talked about fast fashion and sustainability before. I'm down to do that. So yeah, for that video, the topic had to be related to sustainability. So I found these topics that I was really interested in. And I was really glad to be able to discuss things that I haven't seen discussed, at least in the mainstream conversation of sustainability online or on YouTube or whatever. Um, But this video, I've got to say, is a flop in terms of my recent views again. So right now, it's at about 63,000 views, which again, objectively speaking, 63,000 views in a couple days is great. Um, but again, in comparison to my high momentum a few weeks ago, where I was at like two or 300,000 views by this point, it sucks. <laughs> and so, yeah, I'm trying to, first of all, like rationalize this and not be too hard on myself. But also, again, I'm still low key scared. I'm like, still, is YouTube blacklisting me? Are they not going to recommend my videos anymore? Or is this just a matter of this topic just isn't like hot or interesting enough? Cause I could, I could also see Uh, how that would be a factor. So in the next few weeks, I am going to try to make more kind of lighthearted videos with less controversial elements, um, but also hopefully see if YouTube's algorithm will still like me, because if not, that sucks, and I ruined a really good thing. That's the scary thing. You never know. It's a very, um, what is it called when you're uh, on a cliff or something and you're about to fall off? Can't think of it. Nope, can't think of it. But I'm like, I'm like, I'm still gonna think of it. No, but I can't. <laughs> Tell me in the comments below, what's that word? Um, precarious. <laughs> good. <laughs> Precariously perched on the cliff. Uh, yeah, being in the algorithm's good favor is very precarious, and it can get taken away from you like that. So that kind of sucks. But we're gonna make a recovery, and I hope that people do watch that video because I I was happy with it, and I am proud of it. And also, I want the sponsor to get you know some good uh, views out of it, some worth out of it. I always feel bad like if a sponsored video doesn't do well because I'm like, oh my god, they put their faith and money into me, and I want to make this a good deal for both of us. So anyway, um, but yeah, I'm trying to do more lighthearted, trendy-ish topics, like you know, like my other videos about like millennials and Gen Z. Um, That was like kind of a current topic that people have been thinking and talking about. So I'm just trying to like refocus that. But at the same time, I look at my list of video topics and I have so many really interesting topics that I want to explore. But again, they have controversial elements in terms of the YouTube um, ad, you know, monetization view. So like, I don't want to risk being demonetized or like, having my video not recommended because it's slightly controversial. But at the same time, I want to be able to cover these topics because I think they're important. And it's it's very frustrating to literally kind of just be censored by YouTube. Again, I'm so glad that I've only had like that one video demonetized. People have it so much worse. But um, it's a shame that I have to consider in my content like oh, I can't talk about that because YouTube doesn't, like, wouldn't let me monetize it. And it's like, oh my God, this is why we can't have conversations that we need to have. It sucks that I can't make the exact type of videos that I would like to that I think 
I think I cover these topics in a responsible way. I don't see why advertisers wouldn't cover them. Like you look at TV shows that obviously have commercials and ads and they're about like gruesome things like war and crime and um, controversy and sex and whatever else. And those of course have ads cause it's TV or whatever. But on YouTube, the, the rules aren't the same and it's just a shame because I think it really um, is the detriment of the content that we have on this platform. And it doesn't allow for as open of a discussion as we should be having. So it's a shame, but I will try to figure it out. Like, I don't know. I don't want to think too deep into it, but um, yeah, it's a shame. It's a shame to rely on ad revenue, but when my views are good, ad revenue is great. And then the occasional sponsorship on top of that is great. I never really want to rely on my main channel on Patreon, though I do understand why people like Patreon, you know, like I don't have to do sponsors so I can just focus on my content, but I also don't want to put my pressure on like making sure that people literally paying or tipping for the videos like are satisfied that like I would rather, you know, work with sponsors and have to do that than like risk people investing money in my channel and feeling disappointed. So it's a very tricky situation. But anyway, um, I also feel it's also stressful, like, I guess, psychologically talking about any kind of topics that are slightly controversial, like, okay, in my, in my importance of deleting old post videos, I was talking about, you know, what happens when somebody posts something that is now accepted and generally seen as racist or problematic or whatever, but at the time maybe was seen as just a bad joke, like in bad taste, but not as as serious or as bad as it is today. It was, of course, that problematic or racist or whatever back then. But anyway, um, I want to talk about these issues, but I do realize I am a white woman and I have white privilege and I, I really do struggle to talk about race. It's important to bring up in my videos. It's so relevant to a lot of topics and I don't want to, I don't want to omit it and ignore it, but I also feel like I'm not able to talk about it in a way that gives that topic justice. So I always appreciate the comments that I get um, and the feedback, but it also like makes me nervous because I really hate, um, I hate like getting critical comments or feeling like I didn't say something right or, or that I was wrong in some way. Um, so it's, it's really difficult. I want to improve on that, but it's like, maybe it's just like a matter of like, I will never get it. I will. I would never ever be able to talk about what it's like to be, a, you know, to have racist comments directed at me. Like I'll never really experience that, and I haven't experienced that. So like, how could I ever discuss something in a way to the to the degree that somebody who has experienced racism and does on a daily basis? Like, there's just, there's just no way. So this is kind of something that I'm struggling with in terms of my, I guess, like my activism or trying to be a better, more informed person is just like, I have to accept that I'm not going to be able to get it as much as the people who are actually uh, like a part of these situations or communities. So yeah, it's interesting. It's a real struggle, <laughs> um, but I'm, I'm trying to work on it. I'm trying to educate myself. I'm always trying to like listen to creators and people who like have directly experienced certain things because obviously they they are the firsthand you know um, experiencers. That's not the right thing. Uh, but anyway, yeah. So I struggle with that, and 
it's it's a little frustrating. So I think for my own sake, I'm going to take a break from covering heavier topics and just step back and try to, you know, see what I'm best at creating. But I am still, I don't know. It's tough. I don't know. Yeah, that that's a side of um, my channel that's been kind of getting interesting is like, Back in the past, when I wasn't getting a ton of views, I could keep up with reading all of my comments. Um, But now, I usually read the comments the first day or two, and honestly, I get a lot of comments, and it's kind of hard to keep up with them unless I'm literally refreshing and reading constantly, which is, like, such a nice problem to have. I'm like, oh, too many comments. Uh, Can't reply and read them all. (laughs) Um, Reply to and read them all. Couldn't let myself get away with that. But... um, But at the same time, I get a little bit nervous. I get that feeling like, oh no, what if I get bad comments? Like right before I post any video, I'm like, oh my God, what if I get negative comments on this? What if people don't like it? What if I didn't explain every single little thing that I meant as clearly as possible? And I don't want to make my videos like full of, um, full of, (laughs) why am I forgetting words? Um, it's the thing that you do, disclaimers. What the, what is going on with my brain? I'm like, hmm, what word is that? I don't want to start all my videos with all of these disclaimers, but I also do try to speak very carefully and I write my videos. My internet analysis videos are scripted. um, So I try to really be as careful as I can about how I say things. Um, But also, you know, I have to remind myself, like no matter how carefully I write something, I could be wrong about something um, or People may misinterpret what I say or misunderstand what I say. And there's just no way that every single person out of hundreds of thousands of people who might see a video are going to get what I'm saying So I or agree with what I'm saying. They don't have to agree with what I'm saying. So I have to remind myself that too. So I found myself like after the first day or two kind of not reading all the comments because I'm like, okay, if a video seems to be generally liked at that point, I'll just leave it at that. I don't need to read all the comments because if I if I come across one comment that's like even semi-critical, it throws me off and it gets me all nervous and I want to like I want to respond and tell them like, "Oh, I'm sorry, but thank you for your perspective and this was what I was thinking, but I know that I said it wrong." And again, it's like I can't expect myself to be able to respond to and fix every situation. You know? I don't know. <laughs> So that's where I'm at. People think YouTube is easy. It's kind of a, it's a big struggle. It's hard. But again, I am really, really fucking grateful to be in this position. And, you know, I'm, I'm so glad that this is my job right now. Um, it definitely makes my life so much easier in a lot of ways. Uh, but it is a trade-off, you know, for all the benefits. There are a lot of other complications and uh struggles so to speak but again I'm glad and uh, I'm just gonna keep working on it who's emailing me (sighs) stop it stop it why are you emailing me on a Sunday I try to not email uh, like business people on on weekends but I keep getting emails anyway (laughs) such a problem so what's next on my list um oh yes so I wanted to talk about what content I would like to continue making. So in addition to making lighter content on my main channel, I also would like the chance to diversify my Tiffany Ferg content um, because I don't necessarily only want to make internet analysis videos that are 30 minutes, like the exact same format, as fun as they are and as interesting as they can be. um, I would like to be able to make a different type of content. So I don't know if I'm going to make different types of content on my main channel, 
or maybe just start to post more on my second channel and try to bring people over there to see just a little less, um, a little less scripted, I guess, because internet analysis videos are so much work and I really do try to make sure they're like as well researched as possible and well planned and well scripted and like it's just really hard especially being back in school to be able to make that level of a video like sometimes I just need a video that's easier to make than that that takes just a little bit less effort and planning uh, for my sanity and also for my upload schedule that I never stick to ever um like, for example, Ready to Glare. I love her videos. Um, but I, I am always amazed that she can post so frequently. Um, but I think it's because her her topics, like, to me, they seem to be, like, something that you could do much more quickly. And, like, she has just such a good um, mix of different types of content. So, like, she does her, like, quicker things where she'll, like, react to a an article or, like, news or she'll do her more scripted stuff, which is like veil lifted and all of that. And I think that works for her really well because her, her audience obviously loves all of it. But like, I can see that it's it's doable for her. She's able to like pre-film things and get things posted on time. And I'm like, I need to find a series that like works for that. You know, it can still be a high quality video without being something that's so labor intensive. So again, yeah, that's what I'm kind of trying to figure out is like, what types of video could I make that are just a little bit less intense for me to make, but that would still do well and that my audience would still be interested in? Don't know. Let me know if you have any ideas. Um, so yeah, uh, and then we have the freaking podcast, okay? I know that for way too many months, I've been like, oh, I'll come back to the podcast, teasing you guys. Um it is hard. Again, like time management, life, the classic shit. Um, but I do want to continue posting the podcast regularly. <laughs> Again, it's such a false promise. You'll believe it when you see it, right? Um, but now what I'm thinking is maybe this should be doable. Maybe I will aim for a minimum of two podcasts per month. So instead of aiming for weekly podcasts, if I can at least squeak out two podcasts a month, then I will be happy. And I think you guys would be happy. So cheers to us trying that. We'll see if I can do it. I think I can. I just have to like do it, you know? It's like that classic thing when, when people are like, you're never too busy for something. You just have to prioritize what you really care about. And I'm like, damn, <laughs> that's so true. So I do care about you guys and I do want to get back into the podcast groove. Um, speaking of like diverse kind of content, this is why I made... Oof, pop my elbow. Oof, everything's happening. This is why I made the podcast was because uh, it's just a different format. Like there's no other place where I can just come and, and chat shit for like a full hour. And for some reason, people want to listen to it on their commute or when they're at the gym or whatever. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm glad that I can have this outlet for myself, but also give you guys this content that you seem to enjoy. So thank you so much for that. Um, I also want to say Speaking of podcasts, I have been listening to the, I've been listening to podcasts at the gym. I've been going to the gym just a couple times, not crazy. I'm trying to commit to at least going to the gym three to four times a week. I'll try to keep doing it. I'm also on a hydration challenge, which I, I've been trying to do for years. The easiest possible thing, just drink enough water every day. Can I do it? Um, but no, like really for the good of my health and brain, 
my poor dehydrated body. I'm just trying to drink water. So these are things that I might update you guys on on my vlog channel. Do a little kind of vlog challenge type of video. Be like, dumb dehydrated girl tries to drink water <laughs> for seven days. Can she do it? Um, meanwhile, here I am with my not drinking what? Un undrunk? Undrank iced coffee that I just bought. I had told myself at the beginning of this challenge, I thought it would be unsatisfying if I picked up the cup and didn't drink from it, so I had to give you a little sip. Um, I told myself at the beginning of this hydration challenge, hey bitch, how about you try to drink only water for a whole month? Because then you'll for sure drink enough water and you know you just won't be drinking all this coffee. Because my problem is if I drink too much coffee, I drink a coffee over the whole day. <laughs> like I could drink this iced coffee for the next few hours. It's already melted. And I'll just sit and sip on it. And then I'll be like, oh no, it's 8 p.m. and I didn't drink any water today. I'm an idiot. Um, yeah, and then like day two of my challenge, I got uh, a latte. Fucking idiot. But anyway, <laughs> I, I'm gonna say I can drink coffee as long as it's in addition to my daily ounces of H2O. Pure water, baby. So <laughs> real exciting. Anyway. I'm going to the gym and I'm listening to podcasts and it's actually kind of nice. Like I have, I have this one gym routine where I use this like 30 day fitness app that gives me different workouts. So I'll do like the full body, I'll do the uh, abs and then I'll do legs. And that's like 30 minutes total of like workouts. Hello plane, <sighs> so loud. But I'll do that while listening to a podcast. And I feel like in comparison to music, it helps me focus more on the podcast and less on the pain <laughs> and suffering. So I think it helps me with my workouts. But even now when I do cardio, um, like I like I like running. Like if I'm on a treadmill or actually on a run, I like listening to music. Um, if it f fits the beat of my run, you know that feel. But if I'm on like the elliptical, again, I like listening to a podcast. I just listen and listen. So I'm going to give you guys some podcast recommendations because I, I think they're good and I think you should listen to them too. So here we go. Uh, first podcast recommendation is You're Wrong About. I don't think I've ever mentioned this podcast on my podcast, but I've been loving it since the summer. Somebody recommended it to me on Instagram and I was like, oh, I'll look it up. Thanks. And I love it. I fucking love it. I've listened to so many episodes and hours and hours of it. Um... So you're wrong about basically are these two, I think they're both journalists, two writers, journalists, and they cover topics that are kind of very well known, but very misunderstood. So they'll go back and they do research. And one of them, each episode has done the like research and they'll re-explain and like kind of correct the record on the whole story or situation. So there are a lot of topics that kind of just get misrepresented, especially in media and just like, you know how things are. Uh, and then just years later, everyone still believes those same kind of lies um, or, you know, mostly untrue things. So I'm trying to find some certain topics that I've really enjoyed. Um... I've listened to a lot. I'm currently listening to their Nicole Brown Simpson part two episode. So they're talking about Nicole Brown Simpson and the whole OJ murder and trial, um, which is interesting because, again, I've watched like some of the OJ movies and stuff, but I don't think I know the whole picture. So they always add a lot of interesting information that hasn't been covered. Um, they've also covered Anna Nicole Smith gangs in general. Um, Yoko Ono beat up the Beatles, uh, 
Kitty, Kitty Genovese? Yeah. You guys know the bystander, like, theory where, um, I heard this in my psych class in high school, um, where they're like, do you guys, (laughs) this is such a stupid way to explain this, the bystander theory or whatever, they would retell the story of this woman named Kitty who lived in New York in, I think it was the 60s, not sure, not sure, but basically she lived in this very crowded place and she was murdered and a bunch of people heard but didn't report it and didn't do anything and she died. So that's kind of generally the uh, story that gets retold. So that episode was really interesting because they slowly go through the whole situation and say, actually, that's not true. Actually, that's not true. This was actually the case. (laughs) And that's that. So really recommend it. It's a very like it's a fun, like, conversational type of podcast, um, but it also brings up a lot of serious issues, so I really enjoy it. And I'm burping again. Love that. My next recommendation is Crime Junkies. It's, like, the top <laughs> podcast, I think, so you're probably familiar with it, but in case you're interested in true crime and you've never listened to Crime Junkies before, I'm a big fan Um, I started listening to that podcast with my sister and her boyfriend when we were on our road trip over the summer, just hours and hours and hours of driving from Michigan to Colorado and then to Arizona. (laughs) So yeah, we had a lot of time and we were creeping ourselves out with true crime. But yeah, Crime Junkies is great. Um, I also listened to Hear the Burn, which is a Bernie Sanders podcast hosted by his press secretary. Brianna Joy Gray. I think I saw her at the rally yesterday. I will talk about that in the um, politics section, but I think I saw her and I like fangirled. I was like, Brianna, like a creep trying to take a picture of her and it didn't work. I hate that. (laughs) I'm like, nobody wants their picture taken by somebody when they're just walking by. But I was like, for some reason, I want to document that I saw her from this short range. Anyway, if you're interested, I really, I, I do love that podcast, though, because they bring on a lot of guests. Bernie himself has not been featured directly on a lot of episodes. They'll include, like, quotes of his speeches and stuff. Um, but they'll bring on other people, like other surrogates for the campaign or other people who are working on the campaign. And they'll talk about specific issues. And there's just a lot of really interesting topics. Um, I think one of them was about abolishing cash bail and kind of how cash bail... Um, obviously punishes poverty and how people end up literally incarcerated just because they are poor and they can't afford bail. And it's crazy. So that episode was really good in particular. Another political podcast is called Useful Idiots. It's a Rolling Stone podcast. I just have listened to a few episodes because I think it's kind of new. I don't know. But um, they had an episode with Bernie, so I listened to that. But I just really, I really like it. It's a, I don't listen to a lot of like political podcasts. I watch a lot of political commentary on YouTube, but yeah, I've been really enjoying that one. And the last one is Sierra Unfiltered. In case you guys know Sierra Schultze on YouTube, um, she started a podcast with Skylar, her friend, and um, producer for her videos and her channel. And it's just really great. Um, yeah, they, it's just great to listen to like best friends chat. It's just nice. Makes you feel like you have some friends, right? That's why we all listen to podcasts because we're a little, a little bit lonely, right? Aren't we all? Anyway, no, um, it really is good. And so far they've covered some interesting topics and it's just fun to listen to a little bit more of Sierra and Skylar. So shout out to that. 
I'm going to take a break. As you can hear, my voice is really hurting right now. Um, but we'll, we'll come back in a sec and then, and then we'll keep going. And we're back. So the next thing I want to talk about is movie recommendations. If you're a frequent listener, you know I like to see movies. I don't know if I've told you guys, but I got a Regal Unlimited Movie Pass and RIP Movie Pass. But Nathan and I had Movie Pass while it was good for a couple of months, and that was great. Um, and then we canceled when it started to uh, when shit hit the fan, you know. So then, I think it's AMC. No. What is Regal? I don't know. I have Regal. Um, So we have a Regal unlimited movie pass. Unlimited movies all month. And we usually see at least like two movies a month, uh, which makes it worth it. And if we see three, even more worth it. And also there's a little discount on um, concession items. So when we're buying popcorn and fucking ices, we can ball out. So anyway, um, Recently, we saw Joker, Joaquin Phoenix's Joker, and I was really excited for that. I thought it looked really interesting, Um, so we booked our tickets for, like, Thursday night on the opening weekend, I think, Um, and then a couple days before, Nathan was like, oh, did you hear about the, like, you know, the threats that there might be a mass shooting at one of these uh, movie theaters, and I was like, excuse me, and, you know, you guys have probably heard, but, you know... There was some report from, I don't know if it was like a military agency or police, but that they had received, you know, an anonymous threat or some kind of information for some like, they said that the threats had some kind of weight to them. So they were taking them seriously and recommended increased security at theaters. And and then, of course, the media picked it up and they were like, mass shooting threat at the movies. Like, watch out if you go see the Joker. Um, because incels are empowered by the movie and this kind of movie is dangerous and encourages their behavior. And then, of course, they were referring to the Dark Knight shooting in Aurora a few years back, and it's fucked up, dude. I knew, I knew on one hand that the media was, like, not hyping this up, but, like, definitely feeding into it. It's, like, a classic story that's going to get a lot of interaction because... Obviously, the idea of uh, another mass shooting in a movie theater is horrifying. Um, and legitimately, it, it scared me. I was like, dude, like, I don't know. It's just, it's too fucking scary to live in America at the moment, the United States. Because literally, like, I get, I get concerned now every time I go to a big event Um, if it doesn't have security, I'm worried. Even if it does have security, we've heard way too many stories of events and festivals that do have security and people get through and it's just absolutely terrifying. So it was fucked up, but Nathan was like, you know, if you're too concerned about it, we can, we can change it. We can go a different day. I was like, no, it's fine. Um, and it was the day before my birthday. I was like, no, I want to go, you know, let's go enjoy the movie. So that whole day, I straight up was like nervous. (laughs) I kept like reading updates, like I wanted to know if anything had happened at any other places. And it's like, I guess in that moment, it's like, okay, are there any threats in New York City? Are there any specific threats anywhere near me? Like, I don't know. I was trying to like rationalize this. I was like, I don't know how many people in this area have, you know, 
guns like AR-15s or I was just thinking of all the possible factors and trying to think, hmm, well, they wouldn't target this theater. They'd probably target another theater. It's fucked up. It was so, so dark, dude. I was like, I shouldn't have to be thinking about this. It is so, so terrifying. So anyway, I got myself real psyched, psyched out, fucked up, really. And um, so we went to the theater and I was just, I, I was straight up nervous, like the entire time. We got our food, we go in, I was trying to look around to see if they had increased, you know, security or anything and it didn't really look like they did. I was like, oh my God, this is fucked. Um, and I started to get super paranoid about everything. I was looking at all the exits. I was thinking like, if somebody wanted to come in this way, they could. It's fucked up. Sorry if I'm making you nervous right now. But, um... The fear-mongering does work, you know, to cause mass panic and hysteria. So we sit down, and I'm sitting at, like, the end of the row that's very close to, like, the entrance. So I was looking at it, and I was like, if somebody was coming in here, they would come in through the little hall, turn around, and I'd be right there. And it was horrible and so, so morbid, but I was thinking, like, what would you do in this situation? You know, in a classroom drill, they teach us to hide behind certain things, hide behind a desk, get underneath things, get in corners, whatever. And I was thinking, we have these like nice recliner chairs at our theater, which I love. But I was like, okay, if I'm reclined, I won't be able to jump off this chair fast enough. So like, maybe I won't recline. Like I want to be able to jump as fast as I can to the floor. It was so fucked up that I was logistically thinking my way through and scaring myself. And thinking, worst case scenario, how can I survive this? (sighs) Anyway, I thought I was going to, like, not be able to focus on the movie because I would be so distracted by that. But I finally let myself just focus on the movie. We got through it. Everything was fine. There were no threats, no issues. I don't think there were actually any instances of, um, you know, threats or, or violence or anything at any of the Joker opening weekend screenings. But hello, sirens. Un second. But yeah, anyway, I just thought I'd mention that because I don't know if anybody else went through that. I obviously didn't want to like tweet about it, um, but I low-key had been like, dude, like I spent all day like wondering if I may possibly die at this movie. How fucked up is that? And yeah, like anytime I go to an event, I guess I'll bring it up now. The Bernie rally. This is your political warning. If you don't want to listen to politics or this type of discussion, um, you can leave now and I'll see you next time. But I do want to discuss politics um, because that was a big thing that you guys requested. So first thing that I will say is that I went to the Bernie rally, the Bernie's back rally. It was in Queens. I live in Queens. It was the most convenient thing. Um, and I was like, I have to go. AOC was there. Gotta go. So I went and that was yesterday, but even for, you know, a rally, I get nervous now. I'm thinking like, what's the security going to be like? Like, I don't know. It's, it's really, it is sad that people can't, you can't go anywhere. I mean, shit, you can't even go to a fucking Walmart, you know? Like, there there truly are no safe spaces anymore, and that's just a fucked up thing that we have to deal with, especially in the United States with gun violence. But anyway, on a lighter topic, let's talk about Bernie and how much I love him. So, I went to the Bernie rally, um, and it was wonderful. I couldn't see. I could, like, raise my phone high enough. I just covered my armpit because I thought I'd be sweaty. It was like a reflexive action. Um, I could put my arm up. I was behind a little fence, 
and there was like a huge crowd in front of me, but I could put my arm at the top of the fence and like balance my phone and zoom in as far as I can go to get like a good, a decent picture or video. So I got there during Michael Moore's speech and it was really good. And then uh, Nina Turner spoke and then Tiffany Caban, who's awesome. I voted for her in the Queen's district attorney um election she narrowly lost i really i mean she had initially been announced as the winner but then uh i think her name's melissa katz her opponent had asked for a recount and i guess she ended up winning or something so all right but tiffany caban is really cool and i hope that she runs again for office in queens but then she announced AOC was coming out, and it was so nice to hear AOC. Um, again, as a, a now resident of, of Queens, even though AOC doesn't represent my district, it's like further, um, I think she represents further west Queens and the Bronx. But it was really cool, obviously. Um, AOC is awesome. And then Bernie came out, and that was incredible. And um, yeah, I couldn't see throughout the whole thing, but luckily I was in a spot where I could hear, so that's all I really cared about. But I wanted to show up. I wanted to add to the crowd size because I knew that obviously the media is always talking about the size of crowds and, and judging how a candidate is doing based on that. So that was important, especially because Warren recently had her rally in Washington Square Park in Manhattan, and um, she had about 20,000 people reportedly. Um, and apparently Bernie had over 25,000, so that was exciting. But um, yeah, so that, that was really whew, invigorating. So how's it been going in the primary so far? I haven't been giving you guys updates. I haven't made any political videos. I've thought about it, but then I'm like, on one hand, I don't think I can um, explain myself. Again, I don't feel like I'm necessarily knowledgeable enough to make like political commentary videos of course I can share my opinions but I don't just want to like throw shit out there as I'm about to do on this podcast but I think it's different doing proper like political videos and plus I'm just trying to focus on my main channel I have too many things to juggle so I apologize if you guys wanted me to make um socially unacceptable videos I don't think I'm going to this time around. But uh, of course, I have, of course, been paying close attention. I have watched all the debates. And um, I wish I could give my thoughts on all of them. Generally, I think most of the candidates need to drop out. I'm sick of these huge debates. We should have a max of like six people on stage if we really want to be able to have discussions that matter. But of course, that's not the point of debates. It's all about spectacle and everyone like roasting each other and getting these one liners. It's so annoying. The last debate was so, so annoying. <laughs> Bernie was back after his heart attack and his um, stents and his surgery. And I'm really glad that he was doing better. He definitely seemed to be energized and be, you know, peak Bernie level. But um, yeah, I think he did well. I think Warren did pretty well in that debate. Pete Buttigieg and Amy Klobuchar were so annoying in that debate. They were just like the classic moderate centrists who are like, no, we can't do that. Let's be pragmatic. We can't do that. And I just, I hate that. It's like, dude, what are you fighting for if you're the candidate who just says, like, nothing is possible, basically? Or, like, the very, very least is possible. Hey, Medicare for all sounds great, but what about Medicare for all who want it? Pete Buttigieg is so disingenuous, and I'm really, really sick of him, dude. Like, I've never been a fan of him. 
Uh, I've always thought that he was given a little bit too much credit in terms of his progressiveness, and now he's really showing it. Like, he is not being a progressive. He is definitely putting himself in the center of this race, more moderate side, the more pragmatic side, you know, the alternative to these crazy left-wing Warren and Bernie um, people. But anyway, um, also, Pete Buttigieg has, I think, 23 billionaire donors. Bernie has zero. (laughs) That tells you something. Why would billionaires support a candidate? Clearly, he's not going to be attacking their their wealth or their situation in the status quo. So that's a candidate that I cannot trust. Anyway, um, so after the debate, I thought Bernie did well. And then right at the end of the debate, it got leaked that AOC was going to be the special guest at Bernie's rally, which people had already been speculating, but it was great to be confirmed. And that really was really great. I think it gave us all, us Bernie supporters, a good boost of morale, knowing that that endorsement was coming. In terms of AOC's endorsement, like... (sighs) So AOC, is she ran as a Justice Democrat, which is a group that kind of formed out of Bernie's movement from 2016. They were like, okay... If we're going to have a political revolution, like Bernie says, it's about getting a lot of actual leftist progressives elected. So Justice Democrats um, helped AOC in her campaign to win uh, her seat in Congress. And like AOC has been like a huge Bernie supporter from, you know, 2016. So to us, it was no surprise that she would endorse Bernie. We were all just wondering when she would do it and really hoping that she would stick to her guns and, of course, support Bernie because ideologically they are totally in the same line. Um, And she's part of the new wave of progressives that came from Bernie, I would definitely argue. And she said that herself in the rally speech. But um, I think some... Warren supporters and maybe even some Kamala supporters were disappointed that she didn't endorse Warren. But to us, Bernie supporters, it's clear from the beginning that she and Bernie have always been very closely aligned. And I don't think there was any question of her endorsing Warren over Bernie. Um, But I think, again, some people are like, oh, really? Like, you're still going to endorse that old white man? How dare you? How could you? It's like, can we, again, please stop with the identity politics? If you're just looking at policies and what their positions are, they totally agree. Medicare for all, Green New Deal. Like, yeah, Warren's may be similar, but there's no question on who AOC is more close to ideologically and also like who she has a personal connection with and she's had a relationship with Bernie and Bernie has worked to like work on the Green New Deal with her and totally fully endorse that so I don't think there's any question nobody should have been surprised I think the people who are fans of AOC but didn't expect her to endorse Bernie I'm confused I'm like did you not know her entire past like I just I don't get it so anyway but then they were saying oh it's actually a good thing that AOC didn't endorse Warren because AOC and the squad are like bad press so it's actually good that she didn't endorse her and it's like dude okay give it up all right (laughs) anything that involves Bernie is bad but if it went Warren's way it would have been celebrated okay sure fair (laughs) oh yeah also in the media, in the coverage of the debate, I don't. This angers me, infuriates me. There have been quotes of Bernie's that have been attributed to Warren by mainstream media outlets, like him saying 
that the basically that the medical uh, or healthcare industry is like despicable when you have 87 million people underinsured or uninsured and you have 30,000 people a year dying. Bernie said that it's on video and it was falsely attributed to Warren in multiple outlets. It's like, are you fucking kidding me? You call this journalism? That is the simplest thing to fucking fact check. Like, how could you attribute that to Warren? So anyway, that just makes me really frustrated because it's like, how do you do that? And how do you not fix that error very quickly? Because there's literal video that you could have just looked at to know. But also, like, if you were paying attention to the, the debate, you would see that Bernie said it. It's just, it's it's mind-blowing. And and the media... the Okay. Every candidate complains that the media is, like, a little too tough on them or isn't fair. But, like... It's true, and it's clear that there's a huge mainstream media bias against Bernie specifically. And also, the the media has been lifting up Warren. I think that's a huge reason why she's gone up in the polls so much, is because she's getting a lot of favorable coverage from the media. So I find it really ironic that people will sometimes say, like, oh, like, like Bernie and Warren are so similar. Like, you know, Bernie's old news, though. Let's Let's focus on Warren. First of all, they are not that similar. They are similar in some ways, but again, like he's definitely further left than her. He's definitely more consistent on a lot of ideas than she is. So you can't have this false equivalency that they're the same, therefore pick Warren because she's slightly younger and she's a woman, so let's go with that. Like, what? It drives me insane. So anyway, but the media has been very favorable to her and she has been rising in the polls, but people the media ignores Bernie. Like I saw another example in a, a head-to-head matchup poll in Iowa in the general. Bernie beat Trump 51% to 49. He was the only one in that matchup to beat Trump in that general matchup in Iowa. And then Biden and Warren each would have lost to him at 49% each. And then a mainstream media um, outlet shares this poll and the headline is something like, um, Warren and Biden follow closely behind in Iowa in matchup. And they don't even mention that Bernie not only did better, but would have won in this poll matchup. And it's like, how can you call yourself a journalist? How can you say that this is journalistic integrity if your headlines are so misleading? They just completely leave out the person who would win in that situation. It is so disingenuous. So anyway, it really uh, gets me heated, clearly. But um, so I have some other notes (laughs) that I wanted to point out. Uh, In AOC's speech endorsing Bernie at the rally, she made a point about Congress. And she said, the halls of Congress are no joke. Standing up to corporate power and established interests is no joke. It's not just standing up and saying these things, but behind closed doors, your arm is twisted. Political pressure gets put on you. Every trick in the book, psychological and otherwise, is to get us to abandon the working class. So she she clearly came in as a progressive, as a people. I mean, she's literally like a bartender turned congresswoman. She made her whole campaign about being for the people and not being for special interests. And even she clearly has had that pressure put on her to not go against the rest of the Democratic Party, which is pretty corporate. Um, and she's standing up to that. And I really, really respect that. But 
that quote just reminded me so much of Bernie and, and we've seen his decades in Congress and how he in so many situations was the lone person standing up for what is right. Um, meanwhile, everybody else is calling him crazy for, for standing up for what he believes in and what is right. And, you know, there's so many examples of him standing up for issues decades before other candidates or, or politicians come around because by then it's favorable in the public. Um, but Bernie does it when it's not popular. He does it because it's right. So that just shows like so much of his integrity. And it really is impressive. Not there. There's nobody else in Congress, I could say, that has had a career like Bernie's who has stuck to his guns and stuck to his um, policies that he believes in. Nobody. So that was really, really beautiful. <laughs> Um, but anyway, that's why I trust when we're talking about these candidates, a classic politician move is, you know, you may go left or go right in the primary, you pretend to be the progressive candidate, but then in the general, you move to the center so that you'll be more appealing, quote unquote. Um, and that's just a classic move. Everyone's like, oh, you know, like even Obama did it. Of course, he moved to the center in the general and Bernie is the only person I believe 100% would not do that. Because in 2016, he was this. In 2020, he's the same, but better. Like, he's never moving to the center. He doesn't do things that are seen as politically necessary. And a lot of people think that's political suicide, but, like, that's what makes Bernie the realist. Like, it's no joke. Anyway, uh, other thoughts. Joe Biden is obviously establishment, I think... It's so frustrating that he's still, you know, first or second place. I, If it were down to Bernie and Warren, I would be so happy. But just still having Joe be a factor in the race is really uh, disappointing. And I hope that he continues to fall in the polls. Pete Buttigieg is a snake, and I'm, I'm not a fan, you know? Uh, again, as I said, he initially had tried to position himself as a progressive, but then he could see that... Bernie and Warren have that side, you know, that lane taken up. So he thought it would be a little bit more, you know, politically wise to position himself in a different direction. And now he's competing against, I guess, Joe Biden to be the moderate candidate. But like, I don't like the flip flopping and I don't like, um, you know, seeing somebody. I think my my music is going to start playing. Oops, got to move it. I don't like seeing somebody do what they consider to be, you know, politically advantageous in that moment. I want people to be genuine. So I just, I've never been a fan of Mayor, Mayor Pete. I wish he was doing better, but I just don't believe in him. And I think he was really annoying in the debate. He was like attacking, you know, Warren on all these things, trying to play himself as Mr. Pragmatic, but it's like, clearly I don't buy that. So anyway, um, now let's talk about Warren. I always find it difficult to discuss Warren because I know that a lot of progressives and, you know, people like her. And I like her. I've liked her since I found out about her. I don't know if that was 2014, 2015, 2016, but I used to like her and I still do like her. In terms of this primary, she's my second choice, but it's a far distance, way far behind Bernie. And I will tell you why. Um, something that hasn't been widely discussed, I don't think outside of like progressive YouTube channels, is that in 2016, 
um, as far as I've seen it and read it, uh, Hillary Clinton was running, clearly the establishment moderate candidate. Um, who's going to run against Hillary Clinton? Who's going to run against the Clinton machine? Uh, initially, I think Bernie and a lot of people encouraged Warren to run because she she was really popular because of her anti-banking you know, proposals and being like a fighter. And so I think the story is that Bernie and others had encouraged her to run and she said no. So then Bernie decided he would be the one and he ran. He was brave enough to go against the Clinton machine, which is terrifying. And in terms of politics, that's political suicide in most people's eyes. Who would dare go against Clinton? Like, clearly, she's the chosen winner in 2016. So Bernie was brave in that moment, and he did what he knew was right, and he knew that it was necessary to have somebody stand up against Clinton and offer a real progressive leftist choice. Um... But in 2016, then you would think, okay, Warren is a progressive. Did she endorse Bernie? Did she stand up and say, hey, out of Hillary and Bernie, Bernie's the clear choice for the people? No, she didn't. And that surprised a lot of us. Um, I remember being disappointed that she didn't endorse Bernie. Again, ideologically, looking at their policies and what they believe in, it's no, no question she should have chosen Bernie and endorsed him and put her weight behind him because she is and has been a progressive figure, and that would have been a really good endorsement for him. But she didn't, and everybody's like, huh, why? And she actually has, it's now been revealed that she was vetted to be Clinton's VP. So the Clinton team approached her and told her basically like, hey, we're looking into you as a possibility for VP. We're looking into, you know, your past and everything. So just so you know, that's a chance. And so clearly she chose her political career at the chance of being Clinton's VP over doing what is right, what would have been right and endorsing Bernie. Because again, ideologically, she's 100% closer to Bernie than Hillary. Um, And it doesn't make any sense for her to choose to try to be Hillary's VP rather than endorse Bernie. And then she didn't even get chosen. <laughs> Clinton chose Tim Kaine. She probably, Clinton probably never, ever really considered choosing Warren, but they think they, progressives, whatever. We think that it was a strategic move on Clinton's end. Let's take Warren out of the equation. Let's take that possible endorsement for Bernie away. Let's dangle this possibility in front of her and then not even give it to her. And, and that's what happened. And, and since then, that's why a lot of us Bernie supporters uh, have been disappointed with Warren. That was a test. And I think if it were reversed, there's no question. Bernie would have endorsed her from day one. He would never consider being part of Clinton's team. Not that Clinton's team would consider him either. But that's a sign. That's a sign of integrity. That's a sign of sticking up for what you believe in and doing what's right, even when it is not politically advantageous for you. Um, She's also been a little bit flip-floppy on a number of issues. Let's say in terms of fundraising, Bernie is clearly small-dollar donors. He does not do fundraisers. He does not, you know, approach the wealthy. He doesn't take money from super PACs, and that is rare, and he has really been changing the tide and forcing other people to kind of do the same um, or at least try to grow their grassroots support. So Warren... I guess in her last Senate run, had taken money from fundraisers. She had raised money at fundraisers and super PACs. Um, And then in her primary campaign right now, she had said, I'm not taking any PAC money in this 
campaign, but I will take it in the general because we need to take on Trump with any resources necessary. And people didn't like that because it's like, okay, if you're against fundraisers and PAC money, you got to be against it all the time. It doesn't make sense to be against it now and then take it later. The whole point is removing that money because it's corrupting. When you accept that money from wealthy people and from corporate interests, that is corrupting. That's the problem. We need to take it out of the equation. So that was interesting uh, and very questionable. And then it was revealed that she actually transferred, I think it was like $10 million from her Senate run to her p- presidential campaign, which that in itself is normal. All, all candidates do that. But again, she's saying in this primary, my money is going to be clean, so to speak. It's going to be only from the people, grassroots fundraising. But now she has a $10 million start that came from a couple of years ago when she did that when she did those fundraisers and raised money from PACs. So it's like, you're not really drawing a clear line here. Um, And sometimes people are like, oh, you guys and your purity tests. We don't expect anybody to be pure and perfect, but you've got to stick to your fucking guns. You've got to have integrity. If you say you're not taking that money, but you're taking that money you took two years ago, it's not the best sign. (coughs) Oh, my throat is so dry. This is hard. I haven't done a podcast in a while and I'm not ready for it. Podcasting is hard, dude. Talking for an hour 20 by yourself, difficult. Anyway, other things, other distinctions. I just generally, like, I know based on Bernie's consistency that he will stick to these policies. He is 100%. He is the guy who wrote the damn bill for Medicare for All. Nothing less is going to be okay for Bernie. But for any other candidate who's kind of said that they support Medicare for all, but then walked back on it or said, oh, actually, I I prefer, you know, Medicare for for those who want it. Stupid. That's not Medicare for all then at all. It's a completely different thing. We're not asking for a public option. We're asking for Medicare for all. It completely dismantles the system that puts greed over people's well-being and lives. That's what's at stake here. So again, Warren has not been as clear and committed about Medicare for all. Currently, of course, she's been attacked in the debates for being pro-Medicare for all. But again, I think that in the general, she would be way more likely to walk to the center if she is the non- if she's the nominee. I feel like she would say, hey, we need to ensure everybody, give them access, we'll do a public option. And again, it's like, no, I don't want a candidate who's gonna be saying one thing in the primary and then taking all those promises away Oops, the movie stopped. The movie recording. I don't want a candidate who's going to change in the general. I mean, I don't want empty empty promises. And again, Bernie's Bernie's not about empty promises. He he speaks the truth. He's committed. Also, Warren has said she is a capitalist to her bones, and of course, Bernie calls himself a democratic socialist, but he's actually more of a social democrat. But basically that means he recognizes that capitalism is exploitative and this system has prioritized, again, greed of all of these industries over the people. And Bernie would take that on and he wants to, um, he wants to make a lot of these uh, industries public and give people you know, more chances to survive and live life um, rather than continue to cater to the needs of corporate greed. I don't know if I'm making any sense, but you know, that's just like, that's a, 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 a complete distinction in ideology and how you view these systems. Are you a capitalist? Are you, 
Are you a capitalist to your bones? You want to make some changes? You'll add some wealth taxes in? Or are you going to change the system? Because I think we need radical change. We don't just need a couple tweaks. So again, that's another thing that makes me completely support Bernie over Warren. Um, But again, I want to emphasize, I do like Warren. I don't hate her. I'm glad to have a second choice. If it comes down to her and Biden, 100% I'm choosing Warren. Um, But I would ideally like it to be between Bernie and Warren, and I would choose Bernie, 100%. Um, Yeah, so that's that's that. Um, Also... (laughs) Last thing I want to say is on the issue of electability, we have seen a lot of people suggest that Bernie is not electable, but I've seen a lot of data to the contrary, and um, it's just very interesting the way that these uh, that these issues of electability are raised. So Warren has been surging in the polls, and that's great, but if you look at like the base of her support... A lot of her support comes from wealthier and more educated people. So you could say like wealthy college educated people are supporting Warren. And that makes sense because she's very, she's about plans and she's, she's just that kind of brand that appeals to somebody who's very educated, which, hey, good thing. But Bernie, Bernie has, I would say, better plans even, but he appeals to the working class. He appeals to the people who need health care. He appeals to the people who are, you know, riddled with student loan debt and medical debt. Um, he appeals to the people who, you know, are the white working class voters. God damn it, my card is full. That's so sad. He appeals to the working class voters who are in the Rust Belt, say, who had voted for, you know, Democrats in the past, had voted for Obama and switched to Trump in 2016. Bernie wins those people. In the primary against Hillary, he won tons of those states who ended up flipping to Trump in the general. So that's a key distinction when you talk about electability. Those white working class people, or just working class people in general, who have been betrayed by the standard Democratic Party for decades, they don't trust standard Democrats, but they trust Bernie because they know that he's different. They can see that he's different. He he doesn't have those same low-key, high-key interests. Um, he doesn't have any loyalty to corporations or corporate interests. And he fights for things that they need, you know, education, health care, housing, um, better jobs, job guarantees, living wages. So, yeah, I think when we talk about electability, people are making a mistake to say that Bernie is not electable. I have a a media and politics class, and it's interesting. But my professor often kind of shades Bernie and Bernie bros, apparently. And he says, you know, if Bernie were in the general, they would just throw all these, you know, socialist things at him. And nobody's going to vote for a socialist that's going to scare all the voters away. I don't believe in that. I think... um, I think there's enough fear-mongering about somebody being a communist or a socialist. But I think when when the people hear Bernie and they hear what his policies are and what he would fight for for the people, I think they can see that he's genuine and that he he only will speak about what are real problems facing Americans rather than just wanting to tell personal stories that tug on heartstrings. That's not Bernie's brand. And frankly, people who switched to Trump in 2016, they don't want emotional, cute, feel-good stories from politicians. No, they want change. They want somebody who's going to have their back. And they voted for Trump because they have lost all hope and faith in the Democratic Party. So they're not going to vote for a same old Democrat 
Um, so yeah, if we're if we're worried about voter turnout, which we need to be in 2020, Bernie's the man. Bernie is the one who I think really can excite people. And again, looking at data, looking at data, like again, that Iowa matchup, he's the only one out of him, Biden and Warren, who could beat Trump in Iowa. Like those are the races that are really important. So yeah, I, I don't think Bernie should be discounted. But again, none of this changes how the mainstream media treats Bernie. And it's just endlessly frustrating because average people, they trust the mainstream media. And it's so unfortunate because when you hear, oh, Warren is surging, Warren is surging, oh, Bernie's doing terribly, or they just don't even bring Bernie up. They just don't talk about him. They ignore him completely, even though he just had the largest rally out of every candidate. He just had the largest rally. He has had the most individual contributors out of the whole primary. He has raised the most money the last quarter without any PAC money, without any wealthy maxed out fundraisers. Bernie is the man. He clearly has the people's support. And um, I think if Bernie were getting more favorable coverage or just accurate coverage in the mainstream media, if Bernie were getting the fair coverage that he deserves, he would be doing better because people would be hearing, oh, Bernie's doing well. Bernie's bringing in a lot of money. Bernie has a lot of supporters. Bernie is doing these big rallies. But no, they don't hear anything about Bernie and that makes people think that he's not doing well and that he doesn't have a chance. So I'm gonna turn the camera on just for a second so I can say goodbye. Okay, wow, an hour and a half long podcast. Did we even think I would do this? Is this at all making up for me not posting <laughs> in the past few months? Not really. But anyway, as you can hear in my voice, uh, it's going. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you listen to this whole damn thing somehow, uh, again, let me know if you have ideas for main channel videos or second channel vlog channel type of videos or future podcast episodes. Also, I would like to eventually bring some guests onto the podcast. Um, I know that we're used to previously gifted mainly being a solo venture, but I think for the sake of my voice uh, and for mm, just interesting content, it would be nice to bring some people on. So I don't know, maybe if you know of any any uh, creators in New York City that you think I should reach out to, maybe I could make some friends and have some chats on the pod for you guys. Okay, thank you guys so much for watching. Stay tuned for the next podcast, hopefully in about two weeks. Love ya. Okay, thanks. Bye.